Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're chatting with a guy who's as well known for his barbecue as he is for the length of his Facebook posts. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 136 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast and today we're chatting with David Ong from WA. He's, uh, he's the man behind Pitmaster University. You've seen a lot of his different uh, videos and photos of his classes and things. He's doing a great job. We're going to find out all about that a bit later on. First of all, I just need to run some announcements by you. First is that we have Meat and Fire Media Services as our podcast partner for today. If you've got a barbecue brand or a team and you're looking to attract sponsors, you really need to build a brand. And so what they've got available for you is they've got their brand building through strategic social media marketing course. And right now they're running a 50% off sale. Use the code word Santa at checkout and you'll save a whole bunch of cash on that. Next, we've got our free ebook available for you over on the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue website. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. So if you're at the start of your barbecue journey, this is what you need to get you on the right track straight out of the gate. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, enter your details into the pop-up window, and we'll shoot that straight through to your inbox. Next, do come join us over at the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. It is literally the nicest corner of the internet to be. It's full of people who love barbecue. We leave all the rubbish at the door and we just hang out and just talk all about barbecue. It's a beautiful little place to be. And lastly, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, do give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. And if you're listening on Facebook, give us a like and a share. And if you've got a question for either myself or Ongi, pop that in the comments and we'll get that answered for you straight away. And if you're watching on Instagram TV, make sure you give us a little love heart and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell Apple that they should push us up the charts to promote our show to more people like you because you like it so other people will like it as well. So that is greatly beneficial for us and we would hugely appreciate it. Now, in today's show, we are talking to David Ong, and if you've met Ongi before, you know it's going to be interesting to see if I can actually get a word in here today. Um, he is he's a huge presence on the barbecue scene. He's been around since day dot. Um, he was actually the very first ever awarded ABA Personality of the Year. He's now got his own barbecue business running, Pitmaster University, and he is one of the chief representatives for KCBS in Australia. But you probably don't want to hear about all that from me, so let's get David in here now. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Alrighty, Ongi, welcome to the confessional, my friend. How are you today? Awesome, man. Thanks for having us along. Yeah, I'm uh, actually uh, prepping for a work due tonight, so I specifically avoided the alcohol last, well, tried to avoid the alcohol last night, uh, just so I could be fresh for work due and, and this interview. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having us online, mate. I like how you say that you tried to avoid the alcohol. So you the, the alcohol hunted you down and forced itself down your throat? Oh, no, I had a mate that works FIFO come over. And actually, funnily enough, we went looking at barbecues yesterday and um, we picked up some pop, uh, some charcoal. Hadn't seen clean heat on the shelves for a while. Oh, and wow. That, like a South African place. And so we got talking to him and my mate was out of charcoal. So he bought some charcoal and he popped it in the back of my car and then he come back. Uh, oh, I dropped him off at home and then he called me back. He said, hey, I left the charcoal in the back of your car. So he came over. I have a feeling that it might have been uh, uh, by design because uh, yeah, he said, oh, 
feel like a beer. <laughs> so, yeah, we started and, uh, yeah, ordered pizza about 8 o'clock to try, uh, uh, put something in my gut so I was prepared for the day. <laughs> All righty. So tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, hot and fast uh, beef ribs. And so uh, I uh, bought a bunch of beef ribs and uh, uh, had planned to cook them uh, earlier in the week, but as things turned out, uh, I got quite a busy schedule, so uh, that didn't happen. And one of them happening that I tried to cook it one day and of all the times I go to use a pellet smoker, um, the power went out. And so I come home and uh, <laughs> to quite rubbery beef ribs. So it actually extended to the next day. Um, but yeah, hot and fast beef ribs. And that's uh, quite one of my, my favorite things to cook. Uh, we actually end up turning the beef ribs the next day into a birria tacos. So, which is a, one of those, uh, uh, what would you say? Um, trending, trending things to cook at the moment in the barbecue world. So um, yeah, love uh, the Mexican aspect of, uh, of, of barbecue and uh, yeah, really appreciate the sort of the things that Valentina's and places like that, the guys uh, from uh, barbecue mafia starting to do now as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's really good to see all these uh, other influences and fusions with barbecue and I'm starting to experiment with them myself. Yeah. Right. Now beef ribs are one of my favorite things to cook, but I've never done them hot and hot and fast. How do you go about doing them hot and fast? Yeah. So um, I, I guess it all come about by just, uh, uh, not having time to do stuff. So usually I'll do sort of two hours at about between 300 and 350 Fahrenheit and then uh, wrap them and then I'll get them to a point where they're probe tender and then uh, I'll unwrap them and revive the bark and usually I try to rest them for a minimum of half an hour to possibly an hour, but often enough, uh, uh, yeah, it'd be lucky if they last 15 minutes before I start slicing into them. Okay. Good, and they're, and they're just as tender and juicy then as uh, as like an eight-hour, ten-hour cook? Yeah, and so beef ribs are really uh, quite forgiving. And so I, I just found, I, I sort of stumbled across Hot and Fast and uh, after seeing a lot of guys talking about it online and guys with gateway drums and things like that uh, starting to do it more in competitions, I thought, heck, I'd give it a go. Guys were winning competitions doing it. So, And you can get the same results, but usually in about half the time. Um, there's a certain change in technique when you do it, um, but more often than not, it's just uh, pump up the heat and let it rip. You know, um, uh, it's 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 easy, and a lot of people uh, are scared to try it when they first try out. But uh, after a couple of successes, usually they'll uh, they'll be converts as well. Yeah, nice. I've I got to get into some of that uh, some of that hot and fast stuff because I do love a brisket, but it does take me literally all day to get it done. So. Uh I'm going to have to start investigating that a bit more. Um, what were the type of tacos that you mentioned? Was it Iberia? Iberia. So B-I-R-R-I-A. And so usually it's with goat, but more commonly goat's not readily available in Australia and a lot of places around the world. So uh, a lot of guys are running with lamb or combinations with beef. Actually, Dane Cowan um, has been making some awesome ones as well. Um, but there's a lot of guys that, um, uh, yeah, are sort of getting into the more Mexican influence. I think there's been a lot of Asian influence of what we do in Australia, um, but now they're, they're moving into the Mexican side of things, and I, I love a good taco. Um, and the big thing for me as well is I can get low-carb tacos. So I used to be 130 kilos, so um, by being able to eat low-carb tacos, I sort of uh, uh, I, I get my fix of bread, but without all the naughtiness associated uh, for trying to keep some weight off, especially yeah, right. Before. Well, man, that's that, that's awesome that you managed to uh, continue your love of barbecue and and get a bit healthier as well. Well done. Thank you. 
Yeah, actually, funnily enough, barbecue was a big thing and me losing a whole bunch of weight. I used to be, uh, I think I, the biggest I got to was 128 kilos. And so I, I uh, had a cousin that started low carb and they lost about 10 to 15 kilos, him and his partner. And so that's how one of the reasons I got into barbecue was the whole, you know, you basically just eating, uh, sorry, uh, low carb is all about just eating pretty much meat. So um, uh, we get a lot of questions at classes about, uh, you know, veggie dishes and veggie recipes, but I've literally got no answers because <laughs> I can't recall the last time I cooked veggies. I'm the meat guy in the house and the missus will usually cook the veggies and the pastries and stuff like that. So barbecue was actually like a like a key aspect of you losing weight. That's that's incredible because for me it's been the opposite. Since I got into barbecue, I've uh, I've been straying more from my martial arts and I've put on about I think fifteen kilos since I got into barbecue. So that's fascinating that it's gone the other way for you. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everyone. I mean, I, I sort of go up and down, but yeah, uh, pretty much barbecue minus the sauce and minus the mac and cheese sides and things like that has been really instrumental in me, uh, A, losing the weight, but B, keeping off the weight. And there was a time where I thought I might write uh, a low-carb recipe book, but I uh, yeah, just don't have the time. Yeah, fair enough. So, mate, tell us about how you got into barbecue. Uh, well, originally, I suppose if you go way, way back, was my old man um, uh, cooking satay out the backyard. So he used to have these these little racks and you just, just get some heat beads and you pop the heat beads in the racks and then he'd marinate the satay overnight. And that's that was my first introduction to charcoal cooking. And so uh, it was funny, back it was probably back in the 80s and what would happen is the neighbours uh, would sort of catch on that we were cooking. And I think everyone's old man had a Weber back in the day. And so we initially uh, would get asked by the neighbours to start cooking satay. And so I'd help the old man cooking satay. But then there was a time where um, as I got a little bit older, uh, uh, we were a single income family. And so what actually happened is my mum uh, was a stay at home mum and she uh yeah, she got, we got to a stage where we were so poor that mum needed to go get a job. Um, and so she went out and then as a fat Asian kid, um, I had no idea what the implications were to not coming home uh, to a home-cooked meal or some uh, an afternoon snack. And so initially I started getting into cooking by what doing what I call was experiments. And I'd basically get these just random stuff from the fridge and you start off as being smoothies and I'd pop them in a black and decker um, uh, uh, smoothie maker and I'd sort of make these smoothies and then uh, one day I sort of saw a bit of meat in the fridge and I'd seen the old man playing around with the Weber heats and so I, I started getting the Weber uh, sort of style, style of stuff like that and back then I remember all the roasts and stuff that we cook would have this pinky shooter and at that at the time i didn't know what that was and obviously it's, nowadays we know that's a smoke ring but uh, there was a time where uh i almost burnt down the house and it was, I was probably about uh i remember i was i think it was just at the start of high school around high school and i i come home and again fat asian kid coming home to no food and i went in the fridge and there was some meat in the fridge and i'd seen i played around with the weber for a fair bit and I uh, went to start the, the heat beads and as you know, heat beads can actually be quite hard to get started. And so I, I tried to get them going, had some fire lighters, tried to get them going, nothing happening. And then uh, I'd seen the old man recently, he and I are both ADHD. So we're both extremely impatient and everything needs to be done now or yesterday. And so I got out this lighter fluid and I put the lighter fluid on the fire, sort of 
uh, sort of fired up a little bit and then uh, a little bit more still wasn't going all that well. And then I actually took the cap off the, uh, the lighter fluid and I squeezed the whole bottle straight onto the fire. <laughs> and <laughs> next minute there's these flames in the, like li- literally licking the pergola. And back in the eighties, everyone used to have these, pine pergolas in Perth. I'm not sure if that was a thing uh, over there, but they used to always have the shade cloth above it. And so the shade cloth melted into the uh, the Weber and then there, all these flames were licking up and, and hitting the beams. And so I stood there for about 15 minutes to 20 minutes trying to put out this fire. And uh, that very next day, my oldie stuck the Weber out on the curb and I reckon it was probably one of the first curbside Webers because... I'd actually, this is another story, I'd actually lit in a, uh, a bushfire uh, as, a, as a kid from a, about the age of six. So oh I've got God. this pyromaniac streaking me. And so I, I think barbecue, um, uh, yeah, it was always a given that I was going to be playing with fire and cooking food. So if you've been lighting fires from a young age then, i got to ask, do you, were you hurting uh, small animals and did you ever have a head injury? So, <laughs> the head got, injuries I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that might be that might be a symptom of the head injury. But we were <laughs> at the small animals. Yes, how we actually started that bushfire was they used to have these mounds made of like these uh, she oak pines and needles. Uh, and so they used to these little ants would make these mounds. And so we get uh, the metho from my old man's uh, shed. And we go out with a, a set of matches and we'd be lighting up these anthills. And so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe next thing on my list of professions is going to be serial killer after this <laughs> yeah, or something. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going that direction with flam, with fire and, and hurting small animals. <laughs> well, mate, mate, if you take a knock on the noggin, we're all in trouble. <laughs> Quite possibly, mate. So, um, so how does your... How, how does your ADHD go then with with low and slow barbecue? Is that just does it drive you crazy, or do you just get like a hell of a lot done? Like like do you multitask sixteen things while you're also doing low and slow? Well, I am. Yeah. So usually, guys, usually I've I've, I've got the patience of a gnat. So I'll be lucky to last. Uh, uh, like with movies, uh, I've, I've, with going to movies, I've always been. Uh, uh, I've always struggled to go to movies unless I'm really interested. So it's only usually the superheroes like the Avenger movies that interest me that I can stay awake for. Uh, the first time I went to Lord of the Rings, I was with a girlfriend at the time and I fell asleep within 45 minutes. <laughs> so my, my attention span is usually about a half an hour. And uh, that's actually probably a big reason why I'm fat uh, is because I'll sit there and I'll get bored. And within a half an hour, the, my usual reaction to, 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 to boredom is to go cook something. And so uh, I'm, I'm forever cooking something and smelling food. If, and we're in a house where my dad lives with us as well. And so we all eat at random times. And the moment I smell him cooking, I'll go out and cook as well. But, yeah, I'm constantly uh, doing lots of little things. And uh, uh, barbecue's actually helped a lot with uh, the ADHD because um, uh, by uh, not eating sugars, uh, uh, I've uh, been able to manage my energy levels and I'm not as... Uh, what would you say? Uh, spontaneous and sporadic with with a lot of my stuff. It's it's uh, uh, lowered my uh, glycemic sort of levels and my my blood sugar levels, and so I'm a lot more wow. calmer on um, uh, on low carb. Um, but yeah, I am a bit of a fidget in general. You might see me 
uh, at when I'm sitting drinking alcohol or at the bar or even class and stuff like that. You might see me tapping my leg or something like that. I've always been a bit of a fidget. Um, but yeah, no medication anymore. Um, and that's probably uh, to the detriment of some relationships. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> others, it makes me uh, interesting and, and, and zany. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been an, uh, an interesting life and I, I only got diagnosed quite late. So uh, yeah, I'm not letting you get a word in edgewise, am I? Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. This is this, this podcast isn't about me. The podcast is about the guests. So please, please keep talking. Okay. Cheers, mate. Um, so that's really interesting that that barbecue was was able to help you not only lose weight but also to help help uh, manage your your ADHD. That's fascinating stuff. Well, I think barbecue. There's a lot of tinkering, especially as you go to offsets and things like that. You know, um, you're always doing lots of little things. You know, whether it be assessing the smoke, assessing the meat. Um, it's it's lots of little closures and that's why you know I, like when i played computer games i used to like the computer games not the big adventure ones you know i'd like the fighting games that were over and done with a minute because you'd have <laughs> you know the action you know they'd climax quick and then you'd have this closure and so i suppose hot and fast has really uh uh been a necessity for me as well because that's shortened those times and i'm getting lots of closures lots of results in a far shorter time yeah heaps good man heaps good now You've been in the barbecue scene since pretty much low and slow went mainstream in Australia. Um, how have you seen the scene change over that time? It's been it's been it's been absolutely incredible to watch it grow. Like I remember talking to some guys from Bunnings, and they were saying at the time that barbecue was growing at a rate, or sales was growing at a rate of about thirty to forty percent per year. Now, but to talk to someone from wow. Bunnings previous to them actually taking on low and slow. There's actually a guy, Perry, Perry Lightfoot, who's well known on the Weber page for being uh, one of the masters of being able to jag and snag that, uh, that collectible weather. I remember talking to him and he actually said he'd been talking to Bunnings for ages because he works there uh, on, on getting some low and slow equipment uh, in the Bunnings range. And they were initially very resistant to that because, uh, and I've even had people in the industry saying that barbecue was a fad. And so uh, they're just riding the wave of, of this supposed fad. But, um, you know, uh, things seem to just keep on growing and keep on blossoming. And so it's been awesome to see. One of the, I suppose, the sad things to, to see is uh, I, I remember, and you probably you probably remember this, the time I came to Burley and I was pissed off my fat. Too pissed. <laughs> and I, came, I remember I was talking to you, but I, I, I just remember it was the year after that that teams started to get really serious about barbecue and so apart from guys like um you know uh the mile high porkers and uh a couple of the other guys you know um uh with the buffalo trace uh set up uh, you know the yeah the mongrels uh, the party sort of side and the uh, that sort of side had, had sort of died a fair bit. And I, I think, I don't know what, what reason, because guys got serious. I'm not sure if it was to appease sponsors and things like that. But I noticed a real tone change and it was sort of it lost that, that party vibe that it once had when we first started off. Um, but I think there's been a, a massive evolution in barbecue over here and it's, it's evident in... You know, all these barbecue businesses blossoming. Um, you know, we've got uh, 
two or three sanctioning bodies. We've got SCA here. You know, there's, uh, you know, obviously ABA, KCBS and, and uh, enough room for everyone to have this, uh, this, this massive vibe continue, you know. Um, uh, and I think there's still this, this great spirit about a barbecue where, and, and the majority of it I actually got from uh, people like Andy Gronerman where there's, you know, they, they take the shirt off their own back just to give someone, uh, you know, a, a shirt to have. And the guys that go out there and someone's forgotten something and they'll share a piece of equipment or you might have someone that's, you know, uh, uh, forgotten a piece of meat and they'll, hang you, you know, you can have one of my pork butts or something like that. And that still exists, you know, and it's, it's it, with other hobbies that I've had, there hasn't, there was never that sort of, uh, uh, altruism, you know, this thing of, of giving and something that was bigger than us, you know, there was always the imagery of that, but it, the actions of people were, were never that. And whereas barbecue has always been this massive thing of giving this massive thing of generosity and then you go to look at uh, charities in the US, you know, um, uh, uh, where they're going out and they're feeding, you know, homeless people and uh, they're going to disaster areas like Operation Barbecue. And, and I, I, I see that sort of coming into Australia as well where, you know, um, uh, and I, yeah, it's just, it's, it just felt really weird for me to come from hobbies that were more a selfish thing to somewhere something that was totally unselfish and people um just uh the, the camaraderie and the giving and the generosity of people hi there ben from meat and fire media services here where we help your business put the meat on the table social media for some these two words strike terror in their hearts everybody says if businesses aren't on social media then they are missing out but where do businesses even start facebook instagram twitter linkedin Pinterest, TikTok, so many others. All the different platforms, the different audiences, the different algorithms, it can be very intimidating and incredibly overwhelming. There can be so much to think about, it's hard to know where to even begin. As a result, a lot of businesses end up in a kind of stress paralysis and doing nothing. And if they're doing nothing, then they're not gonna be making any sales. A system is what's needed to make sense of all of this. A system that can be easily implemented for any business and ensure engagement with potential customers. A system that establishes a business as an authority in the field. A system that is easy to follow and includes tools to make a business owner's life easier and maximize leverage from the time taken to put it into place. Our course, Brand Building Through Strategic Media Marketing, is that system. This is the exact process that we use to take our sister company, Smoking Hot Confessions, from an idea on the couch in suburban Australia to award-winning barbecue media outlet recognized by industry bodies in the United States. We have a step-by-step -step system laid out in detail, lists of various online tools that we use, and lessons in how to use those tools. We kick things off with an explanation of the different platforms out there to help businesses select the right platform for them based on their audience demographics, content type, and then matching that with their own strengths. We then take them on a tour of their existing audience to mine useful data to ensure maximum impact of their new strategies. And finally, we take businesses through the step-by-step -step process needed to build their own social media marketing system that builds their brand targeting exactly the right follower and future customers. We even have exclusive Facebook groups where they'll join a community of like-minded business owners who are all going through the same journey. To get started today, click through to our website, enroll, and I'll see you in there. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? 
shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so now I want to get into the KCBS side of things, man. Tell us about how you came to be sort of the the guy in Australia for for uh, KCBS. Well, actually, before me, there was uh, there was a gentleman over in the US, uh, John Ryan, and so also before me was also also Garth Welsh. So uh, Garth originally, uh, uh, I'd say, got headhunted because uh, Garth was doing a lot of stuff. He was doing demos and stuff. Um, both here and abroad with barbecue. And so he's probably not as uh, well-known as he should be and uh, to get the accolades that he deserves because he he was around before my time. You know, there was guys like Urban Griller that was around well before me that have, have paved the way for people like myself to, to, to basically uh, grab the baton and run with that baton as well. But Garth's not online. He, he avoids social media. Um, and so he's maybe not so well-known, but there's all, you know, guys from the Aussie barbecue forum that, that are really uh, paid the way for that. us. So, so was that? I said, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So even I, I was always, uh, that was sort of probably at the start that, that the tail end of that and the sort of uh, the advent of Facebook was uh, when I sort of got into things uh, as far as an online sort of thing go, went, but the, the, the real impetus came. So Garth, uh, was doing training with the guys from the international outreach team. And so basically uh, it was seen that a lot of international teams were traveling to the U S and they weren't doing so well um, in international barbecue circles. And so uh, KCBS started up the international outreach team and they've basically gone out abroad to, to spread the love of barbecue, but also um, give guys the, the tools that they need to, to see if they can increase the uh the, the competitiveness of international barbecue teams. And so um, uh, I, Stefan Jenner, who was a, a big driving force in competition barbecues over here, he approached me uh, uh, for one of the smoking in the city events. And then, so we got to know each other. I actually promised that I would never get into anything committee related or anything competitively again because <laughs> of what I'd mentioned previously that what happens when hobbies become um, uh, a passions and be extremely competitive and see a business. And so I promised to avoid that sort of thing because I've sort of had some bad experience, but uh, in going to one of the first uh, smoking in the cities, I remember that when the, the, uh, turning boxes were sort of put to the side, the whole bunch of people uh, came out of the crowd and started grabbing these boxes and I was just like, what's going on here? And I just thought they were random people off the streets, but it turned out that they were homeless people and that one of the things with smoking in the city was to benefit people that were uh, not in a good position like yourself, you know, or like ourselves. And so um, these people were like opening these boxes, these turning boxes, and they were half-eaten ribs, half-eaten bits of brisket, and it was like they hit the jackpot, and that really struck home for me. And so, I got into uh, like being in, in, involved with the officiating of barbecue competitions then, and then it was actually Stefan Jenner's dream to to get KCBS on board. And so, when I I went over to the US, I touched base with Carolyn Wells, who's the head of uh, KCBS, and the the, the founder of KCBS and we had a chat and uh, um, I sort of, it was, to me, it was a big commitment. Um, and so I, I actually wasn't uh, all on board to, to start off with, 
but um, uh, the contact was made again um, a little bit down the track and then I jumped on board and so I had to do training before they accepted um, uh, me being a, a part of the KSBS. So I, I went to uh, both the Yaks festivals and did some training with Garth, um, uh, Garth Welsh and, and Debbie and got to meet, uh, you know, some of the IO team as, as well. And, uh, yeah, that's basically how I, I got into officiating barbecue. And the, the big thing for us was that there was no – Stefan had his own sanctioning body, but he, he realised the stresses that were associated with <laughs> officiating those sorts of things. And so it was uh, – KSPS was really instrumental in, in the comp- competitive barbecue side of things as well as smoking and getting it off the ground over here in WA. And we sort of uh, – WA, I think – Due to the tyranny of distance, uh, we we have that problem where we if uh, no one else is going to help us, we're going to have to just do it ourselves, and and that's what we basically did. But it's been great to see KSBS spread to, to other states, and I'd love to see it grow more. But um, I've always personally believed that there's room for two sanctioning bodies in Australia, and I think the ABA have been uh, very uh, instrumental uh, and and at the forefront of getting barbecue to the masses and making it mainstream in Australia, you know. Um, and now we've got SCA as well, which caters for a whole other group of people, you know. Um, and there's there's a couple of other guys that, you know, uh, Rowan and Tazzy and, and, and some other guys that are doing their own things by uh, a force of necessity as well. But it's, it's, it's awesome to see all these people uh, like rising to the occasion with barbecue and getting involved um, in all these different roles that they might not have normally, you know. Um, um, and, yeah, I, I just love that thing that barbecue brings people from all facets, from all walks of life together. I think it's really something that's uh, endearing to barbecue. That's well said, man. Beautiful stuff. And, yeah, you're right. Rowan does do some great stuff down in Tasmania. And there, there's a real sort of uh, frontier mentality to, like like you said, WA, Tasmania, um, a real deep resilience uh, it, exactly as you said, like if, uh, if, if, you know, if it's not going to come to us, we're going to do it ourselves, um, which is great, very entrepreneurial stuff. Um, so then KCBS came to Australia, oh, well, came to Australia and you got involved with it there. Um, at what point did you sort of, uh, move into Pitmaster University? Uh, this is, this is, it was a bit of a, a total fluke as well. So I'd been helping a lot of guys, uh, online with, with just teaching people how to barbecue and uh, there was a time there where I was inviting people around to my place and would say look come around I'm more than happy to teach you and so this uh, this, this actually came from people like Andy Groneman and, and so initially um, uh, I remember I, I, I put on the ABA that I was doing a, a barbecue pilgrimage around the US and Andy got on and he, I didn't know Andy at the time and Andy commented and he basically said, oh, where are you going? And I said, oh, Texas, uh, you know, Memphis, uh, you know, here, there and everywhere except for Kansas City. And Andy was like, well, it's not really a barbecue pilgrimage or barbecue tour to Kansas City. Kansas City. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the, the top places. And I went, okay, cool. So I, I said to Kaz and so the, the my partner and so – uh, that trip to America for us was one of those trips that you have with a, a girlfriend or partner to see if it's going to work in, <laughs> in situations. And so I, I just said, you know, have we got have we got time to to maybe see if we can squeeze in Kansas City? And so he, so he, she goes, oh, so we looked at the calendar and went, yeah, look, 
we can do it. So we went and drove up and I, I messaged Dandy back on, on, on the forum on, on ABA to say, look, we're coming up. And the first thing he said to us was, look, um, uh, if you're coming up, you're going to be my guest um, and I'm going to take you out to dinner. And so I met up with Andy for dinner and, and so I'd, I'd done a bit of uh, uh, Facebook stalking in the meantime and realised he's a multi-grand champion, award-winning, you know, well-known pit master. And I just, I remember meeting up with him, Kim and, and Lauren and just thought, you know, these guys, um, you know, they're just, although he's a famous person, he's just a normal person that loves sharing barbecue with other people. And so um, I, I took a lot of that from Andy that he, and so it's, I, I didn't realize that that's, it's not just Andy, that's a big thing for the US to, to, to you know, the people, especially in those sorts of regions love to share barbecue with other people. And it's just one of those, uh, you know, for the love of barbecue sort of things. And so I came back and wanted to have that same vibe uh, here and and so by then you know um, a lot of people were following me and and again the things were the, the massively incredibly long posts that you know you'd need a six pack to get to the end of and I used to congratulate people to forgetting to the end of and, and sometimes I used to test people that they read the whole thing by asking something in there um, and I'd you know, happily reward them with a beer or a six pack if they got into the end you know um, but uh uh, so that started me offering to, to share that knowledge with other people. And so um, at the time when I was first learning, there was no one to teach it here. So a lot of the, the teaching was experiment, uh, sorry, the things I was doing was totally experimental. Um, and, and we didn't have anything to reference, to cross-reference with what else other people were doing to see if what I was doing was authentic. So it actually took a trip to Sydney and to go visit uh, Wes and Anton when they, back when they used to work at, uh, what's, what was that butcher's name? Vic's, uh, Vic's, Vic's Meats. Meats. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I remember they had that big Yoda there and it was, it was you know, it was, I can't remember, I think it was like a 36, 30 inch Yoda. And I remember going and getting a brisket there and I confirmed that, you know, my smoke profile was totally wrong, you know. I'd been going too hard with smoke. And so these things, I sort of started just broadening my horizons. And so, um, yeah, but then I, I brought this sort of knowledge back to Perth and then um, uh, how it really kicked off was one day I actually said, you know, I'm going to, uh, someone piped up online. They said, oh, we're cooking brisket. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to cook brisket. Can anyone help me? And I said, look, uh, you know, um, I'd be happy to put on a brisket sometime. You know, you're more than welcome to come over and I'll cook it. And then, so a whole bunch of people jumped on and said, yeah, 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 let's do it. And then, uh, so I went and got this brisket. It was five or six kilo brisket. And I remember I put it on and I said, look, you're more than welcome to come and stay at my house. I usually, my my low and slow brisket, I'm usually up by about one or 2 a.m. Um, so you're more than welcome to stay. Then I'll have a few beers before, have a sleep, and then we'll get up and start cooking the brisket. And you can watch everything from go to woe. And so what happened was no one initially turned up um, for the initial section. And then it got to about 8, 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd put online, you know, you're more than welcome to come. You know, I'm up. Um, just come, you know, here's my address. PM me for the address. That's so brave. No That's up. really brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the missus wasn't terribly happy with the invite. <laughs> no, I would think so. <laughs> but the whole uh, meeting with Andy had sort of rubbed off on her as well. And so, um, uh, but then midday was there and I thought, you know, surely I'd get a couple of people. And then four o'clock came by 
I put the brisket in the esky and about a half an hour later, the doorbell rang and, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was someone, uh, I won't mention her name, but she's well, was well known in the barbecue industry and she was, she'd already been at a wine festival that day. <laughs> so she was already, uh, <laughs> um, uh, swaying a, on a little bit. And so uh, that was the, the tone of the rest of the night. People were rocking up with six packs and they just literally wanted to eat. And the person that initially asked to, for me to cook the brisket never turned up and he ghosted me. And so, <laughs> and so I was like, there was all this stress of like, here I am. We were only a family of three at the time. Um, I put a five or six kilo brisket on for what seemed like nothing. And I, so I couldn't understand it. And I was like, okay, look, uh, so I, I didn't offer for a while after that. And then um, uh, Jules and Glenn from Jagged won a, uh, a trip to the Houston Rodeo, an entry into the Houston Rodeo. Um, and so they joined together with Sangroper Barbecue, uh, Liquid Pigs, who's now Ribs and Pigs, and Grilla Warfare. And they were going to go over to the Houston Rodeo. And so uh, they actually said to me, they reached out to me and said, hey, Ongi, what do you think about running a masterclass and having some proceeds go to towards uh, a fundraiser for us to get to the US because the, the tickets idea. were just entry to the, the competition, not yeah. actual plane tickets, which you can understand, you know. Uh, it's $10,000 worth of flights and accommodation for oh, two uh, people to get over uh, there. I, I, I did it the year after they did, and it's um, it's a little bit more than $10,000 to get your family <laughs> over to, uh, to Houston Rodeo, let me tell you that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not, not cheap going to the US. And so um, I said, look, yeah, let's do it. And so we uh, we said, look, uh, $250 a ticket. Um, uh, and then it sold out within days. And I was just like, so let me get this right. You guys wouldn't pay. It wouldn't come for free. To, to <laughs> events that I put on for free. But you're happy to pay $250 for, uh, you know, uh, somewhere where I, you know, I, I just, it still doesn't compute to this very day that I could have quite have been easily teaching this for free. Um, but uh, yeah, people wanted to pay for some reason. So um, that's basically how I got in it. And it's just sort of blossomed from there. I, after that, I connected with Jason Meldrum because initially I was cooking the classes overnight myself. And so um, uh, I, you know, I tend to brisket all night long and then teach the class the very next day. And that sort of wore a bit thin. So I, I, I hooked up with Jason Meldrum, um, who initially we didn't get along terribly well. Um, um, but uh, after, you know, we, ha- we sort of got to know each other, it just worked out perfect. You know, he was he was uh, catering and also uh, cooking at a restaurant. And I thought, hey, you know, let's join forces. And so we, the first class we did together was a brisket masterclass. And then that got some, uh, some uh, real great interest. And then so we started doing... Uh, smaller classes after that and it's just it just kept on growing and blossoming that's awesome man that's real sort of grassroots stuff yeah and it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that um that people wouldn't come for free but they would come when they were paying that's a that's like lesson number one from the the marketer's handbook is like if if you put no value on it then the public are going to put no value on it you put a value on it people go oh okay oh yeah all right it's weird it's that the human brain is a very strange thing yeah, so, so sometimes people will pay extra for less. It's it's unusual. It's yeah, I don't understand the human psyche, um, but yeah, we we one of the big things for me and Jason was we trying to offer a real great uh, for a value for money and bang for your buck class. And so 
we're one, one of the only classes that still cook overnight, you know. And so we, we try to turn our brisket and pulled pork and stuff overnight. We do beef ribs. He'll do a, a, a naked beef rib um, just for the class, you know. And so um, I was, we're still a bit old school like that and we try to try to keep it as, as, as value-based as possible. But, yeah, our first classes started off at 99 bucks. I mean, they've gone up over the course of time because um, we weren't make, <laughs> making, making it worth our while. Um, but, yeah, we uh, – yeah, I just can't believe how, how popular they've been and we're truly uh, honoured and, and blessed by, uh, yeah, the support that we've been given. We really are. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. All righty, Yongi. Now it's segment three. This is the part where we deliver, uh, well, you deliver a bit of a lesson for the uh, for the viewers and the listeners. And you were telling me that you wanted to talk about um, about how people can use the five senses in barbecue. So I'm going to throw it over to you, and you can, uh, as the as the barbecue professor of Barbecue University, you can. Uh, deliver us all a, a, a bit of a lesson. Sure. I, yeah, I suppose uh, uh, one of mine and Jason's philosophies uh, is that uh, uh, over the course of human evolution, uh, what's made us the dominant species on the planet uh, is a lot of the, the features that have made that happen uh, when we're no longer... Uh, using those those features and that and pretty much comes down to our five senses so over the course of time you know my car's got active cruise control um you know i've got power steering i've got all these luxuries um you know i've got uh, back in the day when i first uh remember having one of those uh, you know phones on the wall that had a cord you know um everyone used to remember their their phone number and so uh, the things that made us so dominant we're no longer, I can't, most people can't remember their own phone number now um, or other people's phone numbers. Quite often they're significant others' phone numbers. Um, people aren't using their senses. And so um, I, one of the, the philosophies and one of our foundations that we try to peel that back and say, hang on, you know, uh, the cavemen could do it. The slaves in the southern parts of the US could do it. Uh, why the hell can't we do it? Why do do people have so much trouble with cooking low and slow barbecue that they have to use these gadgets, you know, when uh, it's, it's, it's perfectly uh, uh, achievable without those gadgets. And so the, the gadgets are great as uh, offering uh, some feedback or another form of feedback and a guideline for giving people, uh, uh, you know, a, a rough range for when something might be ready, when something might be a great time to wrap. But I, I, I personally think that you need to have other other modes of feedback to sort of validate whether those those other feedbacks that are electronic are are, are real so we try to say to people you need to use your five senses to be able to do that and so you know use your eyesight you know you can you can see whether the smoke's good or bad clean or dirty by using your eyes you can see when a, a piece of meat is starting to, to cook a bit quicker than the other you can see it darkening you know um bill dumar from us uh from uh he's texas barbecue university and also has got runs his own sausage classes now formerly style switch he he taught me to assess and caress the meat. And so you, you need to use your five senses to do that. And, and so uh, at home, the thermometers are great. Um, but, uh, and look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, poo-poo anyone for using them because especially 
because we've dulled our senses over time, that we need these forms of feedback to try and calibrate that and to develop those spidey senses again, you know? And so that's what we like to do in class. We'll strip things back and we'll basically teach people how to use each and every sense to, to tell when meat's at a certain point. And so there's a section of the, the class where I go to wrap the beef ribs for the hot and fast beef ribs. And so I'll pull out my thermopen and I'll look at the meat and I'll say, I bet you that, that that's at a temperature range of about 170 to 180 Fahrenheit. And then we'll go put the thermopen in it and we'll see that it's, you know, generally I'm, I'm within the range. And so that comes with experience, but if you don't, use those senses you'll lose those the ability to use those senses when you need them and so we just try to instill in people that yes the technology is great but the biggest gadget in the world the best gadget is us we've got the ability to to uh basically to control the results of the meat by what we do and how we assess and caress the meat yeah, very nice, very nice. Now, these are words that I never thought I'd hear myself say, and I'm a little um, nervous as to where the interview is going to go from here, but um, can you please tell me uh, <clears throat> how to caress the meat? <laughs> is that, no, is that for when the cameras go off? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about to turn into a whole different type uh, kind of video. Yeah. No, um, I've got Bergman over there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I, I was wondering if you give us a bit of a breakdown on on how to use each of those five uh, senses. So we'll start off with touch. Like, what are you looking for when you're when you're touching the meat? So touch was a massive thing for me. And to go to places like Style Switch that cook, we're cooking at the time up to ninety briskets a day. You know, those guys aren't having aren't pulling the thermopen out to check whether the meat's ready. Um, and so th- the other thing was that they're rotating briskets because uh, they're recognising hot spots from seeing where the meat's darkening and so bill would say you know um you can see here where the there's the uh the 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 the, the support for one of the racks you know you're going to get a reflection of heat coming off off uh the, the metal there and so you can actually see on that brisket that the rest of the brisket has got that that brownish mahogany color whereas that portion there had this blackish color and so um that was one of the things for sight and he goes okay so now now i know that that's cooking a bit faster there i might think about rotating that um or moving that around and so um uh taste obviously taste is usually towards the end of that so but the taste isn't terribly useful um but I, I find linked into taste is is smell and so um with uh, uh taste being 90 percent smell you can uh, use your nose to guide you as to whether the smoke is right usually sometimes your eyes can can play tricks with you and so to tell whether the smoke is clean or dirty you can smell that sweet smoke um uh, but also you can tell when uh the fat's rendering or when moisture's coming out of the meat because generally within the first two hours of cooking um you're not going to have much smell from the meat it's primarily going to be smoke and so when that fat starts to render and moisture starts to come out of the meat you can smell that but you can also hear the sizzle and so these are good times to start thinking about you know doing certain things with the meat um, and, and so I think, have I covered all five? I think that's pretty much all five. Um, but yeah, usually uh, we try to cross-reference all these things and just to, to self-calibrate and to sort of take all these things into account that, you know, if your thermometer might be reading something that, you know, you should calibrate it with something else. And so quite often you'll see me and Jason, we look like weirdos when we do it, but we, we actually had a class where Steve Botkin came over here to run a masterclass um, and he, we, we 
back in the day, we used to run smart fires and all these gadgets. And one of these days, I don't know what happened, but all the gadgets went down. Like it was like my Wi-Fi, some sort of dodgy solar electrical storm or something like that. And they just, they would not work. And I, it wasn't just a smart fire. I had a barbecue guru and they all just, they all just uh, uh, played up. And so we went back to, you know, looking at gauges. And so some of the pits, uh, the gauges aren't that reliable, you know? And so we're using a hand, putting a hand over the top. And just after that day, I went, hang on, you know, it's nice to have, uh, uh, you know, the technology, but it's also great to have um, some backbone to that that's based in um, uh, something that we can calibrate ourselves. And so you'll, you'll see me quite often now, um, you know, I'll put my hand over the pit. Uh, I like to touch, like for steaks, for doneness, I like to touch the steak. Um, I've found sometimes, especially with the thinner steaks, that if you try to use a thermometer, it's really hard to get the middle of the, the steak. And so uh, I've, I've, over the course of time, I find if I sometimes, if I use thermometers, uh, I'll get it wrong. Whereas if I pull the thermometer out and just, trust my instincts that more often than not I'll get it right but um yeah it's 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 one of those things it's hard to do initially because people people aren't used to that people have gotten used to gadgets doing everything for them uh but once once you've done it and this uh, this this happened to me I could take those skills from smoker to smoker to smoker and I wouldn't have to have cooked on that smoker before and I'd know by the the feedback that that I was getting as to how to manage that smoker and extract the best out of the smoker as well as the meat in that smoker as well. Yeah, nice. Well said. Uh, all righty, look, this is probably about a good point in the uh, in the episode now to throw the studio over to you, give some thanks, give some shout-outs, give some praise to people that have helped you out along the way and do make sure you tell us where we can track you down on the internet. Uh, yeah, I suppose look, uh, all the guys on the Pitmaster University team, you know, uh, people like uh, Jason Meldrum, Bundy, um, we've got Chris Stewart, but we've also got Leroy, we've got Will um, who come along, and then we've uh, also got Brett who's just joined the team. Um, those guys those guys work long hours. Uh, I, You know, a lot of the time I'm seen as the Mick Jagger of Pitmaster University, uh, whereas these guys are the ones that, you know, plan the music out the back and really doing all the hard work. And, uh, and you know, these guys, they're up all night. They're tending to the pits. Uh, uh, and so they, they deserve the real praise because the food that comes out uh, isn't cooked by me 99% of the time. It's cooked by them. And so uh, I'm just the guy that talks too much up the front. Um, and so these guys have been really pivotal. But then you've got, you know, uh, guys like Andy Gonham and Kurt um, and Lance Rosen, you know, uh, uh, Hidajat and, and Lance Rosen, they've been really pivotal for me. And so they've always been, uh, you know, these guys are like brothers as well, you know. We don't see each other very often, but when when we connect, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's really special. And so they've been really influential for me as well. Um, but, you know, there's there's so many people, Steph and Jenna, you know, um, uh you know the the ABA. You know the ABA. Uh, as as much as I've had uh, had my my moments with them, you know they they uh, they really got this thing off the ground in Australia, and and uh, it was nice to be a part of of, of all that. Um, but then you've got you know you've got other guys uh, like uh, Jason Linto and and Ian McGiven that are doing BEA stuff over here, and they they're really pushing the the, the competition barbecue side of things. Um, but yeah, and, and but most importantly, the the people, you know, uh, all, all the all the all the guys that 
uh, are happy to listen to all, all the stuff that, that comes out of my mouth and, and read all those long posts, you know. Um, um, you know, my peers, you know, the guys that, uh, that, that yeah, they're, 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 their opinions matter to me, you know. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really is nice to be grounded by these sorts of people, you know, um, and that, you know, there's everyone's equal in barbecue. It's just one of those things, you know, and like I harped on before, you know, whether you'd be a doctor, you know, whether you'd be, I used to work in the sewers when I first started barbecue, doesn't matter where you're from, everyone's equal in barbecue. And so, um, but yeah, oh, I suppose I should, hang on, I'll get in trouble for not saying my missus. Um, <laughs> she's probably should have led with that. Yeah, I should have led with that. She, she actually, uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I've got seventeen. Well, at one stage, had seventeen barbecues. So, um, uh, she, she's been really supportive. And same with my parents. You know, dad helps out at the classes. Um, uh, it, it, the big classes that we put on the ten-hour ones. It's a whole family event. You know, my mum minds the kids. Uh, Kaz serves food, dad helps with the cleaning up and everyone gets involved. So I hope I haven't missed anyone there. This this is where these things are. <laughs> if I ever had, uh, you know, a Grammy speech or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, if, if you if you want to find us, um, you can find us on Pitmaster University on Facebook. I've, I've actually got two channels on YouTube. One, one I started by... Um, uh, by necessity. Um, actually, you asked me about that before. Um, one, I actually started, I, I was cooking pork belly in the air frying before, um, before barbecue, uh, uh, mates were constantly asking me and bugging me for how I cook my pork belly. And at the time, I really should have perhaps uh, bought a bunch of uh, air fryers and sold them because I reckon I could have, in my time, I've probably uh, gotten 200 people into buying air fryers. And so, um, yeah, initially when I first started uh, my YouTube channel, I actually um, uh, did a pork belly video. And if you don't go searching for it, please don't look at it because it's actually me in my pajamas. You can actually see I'm wearing these these uh, loud, happy mambo pants, uh, my pajamas, and uh, I just uh, there's it's not interesting. The camera's in one spot. I'm just talking, uh, you know, and and you see the comments. All the comments are like. Uh, you don't shut up and uh, I suppose that was an entry into what I do now you know um, uh, but yeah it was crazy and then someone said to me as, as the ABA popped up and people were asking for pork belly recipes um, you know I went uh, okay so I'll just refer you to this video I've actually lost the account um, uh, but this is this is where the video is you could google it and so and then someone came back to me and goes you know Ongi there's there's a million video, uh, views on that video and I went what? And so I went back and had a look and I was like, oh my goodness. And then someone said, you can make money from YouTube. And I'm like, really? And so I went hunting it down, but I'd lost, that was a long lost email. And at the time trying to chase that up through Google and Gmail, it was extremely difficult to get. But I finally, uh, I, I got to the point where Jason Meldrum, he, he started up his own YouTube channel and he goes, you know, you can actually make a decent bit of coin from this. And so it was around when COVID was sort of just sort of taking off and I went, I've got nothing better to do. Let's see if I can have a crack at doing this. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how it come about. So now I'm, uh, 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 yeah, a, a YouTube partner. And so I get paid the YouTube. I don't get paid very much, but um, that, you know, that um, original Paul Billy video that I thought I'd lost, I'd connected that account up again. Yeah. And I, I, 
um, yeah, there was actually quite a bit of money sitting in the account from uh, from that one video. So, nice. um, yeah. So if anyone needs help in getting uh, their YouTube channel going, I've, I've sort of, uh, uh, YouTube's very handy for working up what the YouTube algorithm is. And so it's all on YouTube, but if you ever need any help, I'm more than happy to help out and see if you can get you guys uh, some extra coin in your pockets for barbecue gadgets or uh, or drink money. Awesome, awesome. Well, look, man, thank you very much for your time. Um, I, I appreciate that, you, that that you've been able to uh, to sit down and sit still for me for an hour. Um, I do, <laughs> and, and, and and I and I say that, and I'm allowed to say that because my wife has ADHD, so. I'm, oh, really? I'm I'm allowed to make jokes like that, so that's Say okay. Allowed to breathe for us, please. I will, I will, I will. Yeah, yeah. Look, man, th- thanks a lot for your time. I, I really appreciate it. It's been great to have you on the show. Likewise, Ben. Really appreciate it, mate. I love what you do. Hey, um, I'm a bit of a lurker on your page. Occasionally, I'll pop up and post. But uh, uh, for anyone out there watching that hasn't uh, hasn't joined Ben's page. Uh, I thought I ran a good group, uh, Ben, man, uh, you're on top of it and it's got such a good vibe and it really has that barbecue spirit. You know, everyone gets along. I love the little weekly competitions with contributors, you know, and there's, I love the little rivalry that goes on within the group, but, but on top of that, all the knowledge that's shared and, oh, and thanks for your, uh, uh, maple bacon, pecan pie recipe as well. I actually use that in my classes as well and really appreciate what you do for the community. And there you have it, family. That was the one and only David Ong coming to us all the way from WA. And I'm actually pretty impressed. I got more than six words in there, so that was really cool. Um, look, I've, I've known David for probably about five years now, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to get him on the show. He's a top guy. He does a lot for barbecue, and he knows a lot, and he loves to share it. So it's been a real great opportunity for us to, uh, to have him on the show here today. Uh, now, before I let you go, just a quick reminder, Meat and Fire Media Services, they're our podcast partner for this episode. If you're looking to build a brand or you're looking to build a barbecue team, you want to start attracting sponsors but they've got their brand building through strategic social media marketing course it's 50% off at the moment use the code word santa at checkout and that will tell you everything that you need to know to start building that brand and getting that on the right track uh, next, if you're at the beginning of your journey, make sure you do head on over to the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's just smokinghotconfessions.com. A pop-up window will appear. Put your details in there and we'll shoot that free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, straight out to you. And as David said, do come along. Find us on Facebook, the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community. Come and join us. It's a great place to hang out. We would love to have you and we'd love to see you. And if you are watching this on YouTube, do give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and a hit the little notification bell. If you're on Facebook, give us a like and a share. Type any questions you've got for either myself or David into the comments there. And if you're on Instagram, on IGTV, that cute little heart, we do love that cute little heart. And give us a follow there as well. And perhaps most importantly, if you are listening on an Apple device, uh, please, we would love you forever if you would give us a little five-star rating and review. We don't know how the algorithm works with Apple. They're very uh, very secretive with that. But we do know that those five-star ratings and reviews really do drive us up the charts and they help Apple to promote us out to more podcast listeners like yourselves. And that is it for today um oh the maple bacon uh pecan pie recipe that is in our ebook um the bacon manifesto over on the website smokingonconfessions.com slash ebooks uh there's a whole bunch of recipes in there and also a little bit about how to make bacon at home which is really cool and so that's it that's all i got for you today so until next time take care of each other and keep on queuing thanks for listening to the smoking hot confessions podcast 
Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Yeah.